Welcome everybody to another episode of Clear Cut Sports. I'm your host Seth, hope you're all doing well today. An unfortunate day for me because I no longer get to watch The Last Dance every week. Um, recently came to an end, but man did I ever enjoy watching that. That was a great documentary. You know, from Jordan and his relationship uh, to to the management of the Bulls, to his teammates, how he was tough on them. And, you know, at the time, I can't remember who said it, but it seemed like a, he was a bully, but a bully that won. So they kind of respected it and didn't mind it, especially now looking back on it. Perhaps at the time they did. Talked a lot about the adversity that Michael Jordan had to go through to get to, you know, to be the best player in the history of the NBA. <clears throat> you know, hard work pays off. Um, another big takeaway was, you know, the, the trust factor, especially in the last two episodes, 9 and 10. He really had to trust you in order for you to be that guy for him. An example of Steve Kerr, uh, you know, he kind of said, he, if you remember a few episodes ago when, you know, Jordan punched him in practice, and that kind of earned Jordan's respect uh, of Steve Kerr. Fast forward now to these episodes. Steve Kerr ended up taking the big shot in Game 6 against the Jazz, um, partly because, you know, the trust factor between Jordan and Kerr was large. And, you know, I'm sure he trusted all the rest of his teammates, but to really buy in and be that guy to hit that last shot really put... Uh, Steve Kerr in a good position. Same as the uh, security guard Gus, you know, in the in these episode, the last couple of episodes, you know, when Gus was sick, you know, Jordan was in his hotel or in the, his hospital room and stuff, being there for him because after MJ's father had passed away, Gus was kind of that father figure to him, according to Jordan himself. So even off the court, we see that same level of trust that you had to have with MJ in order to be that guy. Another thing it was cool to learn was, you know, about the food poisoning in game five of the U against the Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals. How crazy is that? Like, to go that far, I can't, you know, you don't want to assume that the uh, pizza delivery guys did it on purpose, or the pizza place did it on purpose. But even the um, guy that was in his room said, you know, it's kind of sketchy, five guys delivering a pizza. To go that far, if this is what happened, to go that far as to, to food poison Michael Jordan in order to knock him off his game, that's craziness. Like, how crazy is that? I couldn't believe it. I find it very interesting, of course, but I really couldn't believe it when I first heard it. Just remarkable. And, of course, you know, the performance Jordan had in the Game 5, even though he was throwing up all morning and hardly slept and all that stuff. Just speaks to the... Speaks to the relentlessness, relentlessness of Jordan and how great of a competitor he was and how of course how great of a basketball player he was another funny thing well not funny but 
in the uh, when Reggie Miller hit the shot, you know, against the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals in uh, I think it was Game Five, the game that the Bulls lost. When he hit the shot, and then it showed, uh, you know, Larry Bird, the coach, just stone faced because he knew there was there was time left for uh, Jordan to, uh, well, the Bulls, but typically, basically Jordan to get a shot off. He said he was thinking, uh oh. He left too much time on the clock. Just again, speaking to how excellent of a basketball player Jordan was. So I find that really funny. He ended up missing the shot, of course. Barely rimmed out, but still just the respect that the competitors and other coaches had for Jordan and the Bulls really speaks to the level of excellency that they displayed you know, throughout their six championships in eight years. And of course, it wouldn't be a last dance episode without Jordan giving himself a reason to go out there and give 110%. When Karl Malone won the MVP, you know, Jordan said he wasn't mad about it, but again, once again, gave him a motivating factor. To kind of push himself forward and win the another NBA championship against Karl Malone, the MVP, just goes to show once again how you know relentless Jordan was and really how much he wanted to win. Truly, we will never see a player like Jordan again. You know, we debate all the time: all oh, LeBron's better and than Jordan, and Jordan never went to a Game Seven in the Finals. <clears throat> LeBron lost six championship, lost six, uh, lost six series in the NBA Finals. <coughs> but MJ has a different kind of drive and competitiveness that will never be replicated. It was just something I've never seen before. And it was also apparent during this documentary. I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> probably going to watch it again. You know, on a streaming service. It was great. Um, really enjoyed it. Props to everybody who had a hand in making it. Um, also, might start smoking cigars now. Because that looked really cool. <laughs> Just added another level of, you know, greatness to uh, Jordan and the Bulls and the gang. Unfortunate. Another interesting tidbit, just to top it all off here. I wonder what would have happened. You know, Jordan said at the end of the uh, the final episode, if they had offered, you know, Dennis and Scotty and Steve and himself and Phil <clears throat> a one-year contract. I wonder how that would have turned out. That would have been cool. It's too bad that, you know, management kind of had to get in the way. Um of greatness, who knows what would have happened in the in the uh, next season if they all have been there. And of course, the Bulls haven't been the same since. Um, <clears throat> but excellent, I really enjoyed it. It's unfortunate it had to come to an end, but I think it was very well done. Aaron Rodgers made some headlines um, recently. 
<clears throat> he had a, pro, uh, a press conference, you know, speaking about uh, the situation um, in Green Bay since they drafted Jordan Love in the first round of the draft, 2020 draft this year. <clears throat> and, you know, for the most part, I thought Aaron Rodgers was very professional. That's the biggest word I would use. He was very professional during this press conference. You know, he he didn't bash the organization. He was very, um, I, I, I believe he spoke the truth. You know, of course, one of the first things he said, he was surprised about the Jordan Love pick. I mean, so was the rest of the public, basically. Um, we all thought, well, I did, I will speak for myself anyways, that uh, the Packers would finally um, draft a receiver or another offensive weapon for him to throw to and to help that offense. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback, of course. And, um, you know, he was surprised and wasn't thrilled is another uh, phrase he used about the pick. Understandably so, of course. I mean, he's <clears throat> entering, uh, you know, he's probably over the hill for his prime, but he's still an excellent quarterback. So, of course, he wanted weapons to throw at to try to win, you know, the championship or two in the tail end of his career. But I can't say enough about how well Aaron Rodgers handled this situation at the press conference. He was truthful. He, you know, spoke his mind. He was respectful. He's looking forward to working with Jordan Love, which is an excellent thing to hear from, a, you know, a veteran quarterback in this situation. And he said, you know, it was a good move organization-wise for the future. He understood that, which is great for Aaron Rodgers to say. <clears throat> you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the same situation that Brett Favre was in that Aaron Rodgers finds himself in now where he was at the tail end of his career. Um, actually, I think they were the same age when um, Aaron Rodgers was the same age when Love was drafted as Favre was when Rodgers was drafted. So he understands the move from an organizational standpoint, you know, setting themselves up for the future. But probably, so he handled it perfectly. I loved everything he said. Probably the biggest takeaway, however, is what he said when about, you know, staying in Green Bay his whole career is not, may not be reality. And that's going to catch all the headlines, of course. And, <clears throat> again, this wasn't disrespect to Jordan Love. No disrespect to the Packers. But he said basically what the rest of us were probably thinking. Because if, if the Packers were really committed to Rodgers in the next few years, they would have drafted him some weapons. And... I should say this, they did draft a tight, a blocking tight end, a power running back, and some interior offensive linemen, so it's not like 
they totally, you know, disregarded the offense and Aaron Rodgers, but it really wasn't what they truly needed um, to make Aaron Rodgers, you know, to help him in his skill set. They're going to protect him more, which is great. That's always good. But he still needs somebody to throw at. And besides Devontae Adams, they really don't have anybody. <clears throat> but prepared to move on to a different team. Aaron Rodgers has four years left of his contract. And for salary caps reasons, it wouldn't make sense for the Packers to trade him until 2022. Which would, in theory, give Jordan Love time enough to learn from Aaron Rodgers, learn Matt LaFleur's system, learn about his teammates, etc., the culture, and be able to take the reins in, you know, at that time. Because, of course, you can... The Green Bay Packers are going to look to get something for Aaron Rodgers, as would anybody with any, you know, player. They don't want to lose them for nothing, of course. But if you remember what I said, <clears throat> if you tuned into, I can't remember which episode it was, but a few episodes ago, about the New England Patriots and Aaron Rodgers. Go back and look. In two years' time, if Bill Belichick still needed a quarterback, if they, if Jared Stidham isn't the guy, and they don't get Lawrence or Fields in the next in this next year's draft, and Aaron Rodgers is ready to leave Green Bay because Jordan Love is ready to, you know, step into that is ready to take over. Who's to say that Belichick doesn't go that way for two years? One of the greatest quarterbacks in the game. A good culture and offensive line in New England. A nice young running back, Sony Michelle, and James White, another great third down running back and pass catching running back. Their weapons, of course, could use some work similar to Green Bay. But Josh McDaniels, if he's still there. And Aaron Rodgers, I bet, would have a lot of fun together. So don't forget I said that. And it's apparently now that Aaron Rodgers is, understands it's a reality that he might not finish his career in Green Bay. Don't forget. Don't forget I said that. If it happens, you know who to give credit to. Another NFL headline that made some noise. <clears throat> Detroit quarterback Matthew Stafford's house is for sale. Beautiful home. If you if you looked it up and seen pictures, beautiful home on a lake. You know it. Uh, you know it's you know uh, has a Detroit Pistons basketball court in it, which is very cool. Five bedrooms, seven bathrooms. Just, you know, absolute lovely home. It's for sale. And, of course, everyone's first reaction is, oh, you know, Tom Brady, he put his house for sale in uh, in New England, and we didn't think anything of it, and boom, he goes to Tampa Bay. 
Philip Rivers did the same thing in San Diego. We thought nothing of it. And what do you know? He's in Indianapolis. So when Matt Stafford's home goes for sale, what are we supposed to think? Pump the brakes just a tad on this, everybody. If the line, well, first of all, there has been trade rumors, you know, the past couple of years about Matt Stafford. And he's played it very well. He's downplayed them all, basically. If the Detroit Lions, I'm not saying they're going to, I don't think they're going to. If the Detroit Lions traded Matt Stafford, they would have absolutely nothing. Nothing. Matthew Stafford is the only thing that's keeping this team an NFL team. Your receivers are suspect. Your your offensive line could do some work. Your defense is horrible. And don't get me started about the coaching staff, Matt Patricia. The only bright spot you have is Matthew Stafford, who has has been blatantly overlooked the past few years. Last season, of course, Matthew Stafford played eight games. He was hurt, you know, half the year, unfortunately. Their first four games. Tied Arizona, beat the Chargers, beat the Chiefs, and then narrowly lost to the, excuse me, beat the Eagles, and narrowly lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, a game they very well could have won. It might have came down to the last drive, I can't remember. But still, you beat the Chargers and the Eagles, two very talented football teams. And then, you know, they had the bye week, they lost to Green Bay, Minnesota, and then the next week, Matthew Stafford got hurt, and there's a bunch of L's in a row. At the time, that Matthew Stafford got hurt. If he had of, you know, continued to play at the level he was playing at, he would have been a top five MVP candidate. He was on fire. I'm looking at the numbers here: four seventy-seven, excuse me, three sixty-one passing yards, two forty-five, two sixty-one, three fifty-two. These these are ridiculous numbers. And then of course he gets hurt and it goes down from there. He was unbelievable. We have blatantly been disrespecting Matthew Stafford as a quarterback over these past few years because the rest of the Detroit Lions is a complete abomination. So now his house goes up for sale, and what are we supposed to think? Detroit would be utterly stupid if they went through and traded Matthew Stafford. I am a firm believer they are not going to. I believe they believe they see what I see is that he is an excellent quarterback. They didn't draft a quarterback this year when there was speculation they could have took two at three. Instead, they went and took, you know, the best corner in the draft, which is a great pick. I still think they're going to struggle this year because they need a lot more. And Matthew Stafford is the only thing holding this team together. Respect Matthew Stafford, people.
And his wife even said, wife Kelly even says, it's for personal reasons, you know, for their family, and they're looking in the Michigan um, market. So put this to bed. Put these trade rumors to bed. I will follow my sword if I'm wrong, but I am confident that I'm not. Matthew Stafford is an excellent quarterback. Detroit Lions should be happy to have him. And he will be there for a little while yet. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a lovely, uh, have a lovely rest of this, you know, tough times, this isolation quarantine period. Have a lovely rest of this period. Hopefully, hopefully everyone's doing well. I'll catch you all next time. Stay safe.